to the Chiss Ascendancy Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Chiss Ascendancy Podcast. You're not getting your normal intro uh, because I don't have Samuel with me, but I do have a special guest. Um, if you're listening via audio only, uh, we have a special treat here tonight. We are recording with the one and only uh, Instagram famous Findor Moon. Uh, he is a action figure enthusiast, photographer, customizer as well, um, and a good friend. And so um, we are doing a little bonus episode. We'll go ahead and call this one episode 91. And we are breaking down and unpacking these two most recent episodes of everyone's favorite uh, group of misfit toys from Camino, uh, The Bad Batch. And so... Um, Finn, why don't you introduce yourself really quick and just tell folks a little bit about yourself and we'll go from there. All right. Yeah. Um, first off, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's all always- Of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, my name is, my name is Finn. Uh, I, on Instagram, you can find me as uh, at Findor Moon. Uh, I do action figure photography, a fair amount of customizing. Uh, I'm very involved with the at SWTVC community, so you might you may know me through there, um, but yeah, so I uh, I got into all of this like this Instagram community about four four or five years ago, and uh, it's been great. I love it. That's how absolutely Joe and I met, and uh, through figure photography and our common interest in Star Wars lore and Wookies. <laughs> Wookiees specifically. Wookiees specifically. Lots of Wookiee bonding. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I think uh, a couple of, maybe about a year ago or so, um, you were on this hunt to acquire all the Wookiees that have been made in the three and three quarter inch scale specifically. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are listening or watching and you're not aware, um, the the heritage scale is what we call it. Um, the original scale of Star Wars figures is in three and three quarter inch figures. If you want to know why that's the case, go watch the toys that made us on Netflix uh, and they'll break it down for you. Uh, but we, uh, I remember there was a couple you were looking for. And I think the uh, Yerua, I want to say his name is, who is the senator and maybe the Wookiee Gunner. There's a couple of them that you were hunting down or something, and I was yeah. able to grab a couple and, and uh, send you away. So that's kind of the friendship that me and uh, Finn have is just talking about all things Star Wars and uh, Star Wars action figures specifically. So I asked him on. Uh, Adam and Samuel are both really, really busy uh, this week. And so we have some other plans for a different episode. Um, we're actually, I, I think we're going to focus on the unsung hero songs of Star Wars. So basically like the songs that don't get as much love as they should because they're overshadowed by some of the most epic themes throughout the, uh, uh, the saga. Um, so, but we didn't want to leave the Bad Batch out. We've got a couple of amazing episodes. And so Finn is also a huge fan of Star Wars animation. Um, and so obviously if you're a fan of the, of the show, you've been listening you knew that we covered the five best reasons that we thought uh, a listener should watch Star Wars animation if they hadn't given it a chance. Uh, and we got some good response from that. Uh, and so Finn's one of those guys, one of those, uh, I would say, an apologist for Star Wars animation. And uh, so 
we have a couple of things, right? We have episode five and episode six that we're going to get to for the Bad Batch. Um, and so starting in episode five, holy crap, dude, it was Star Wars meets The Hobbit meets <laughs> Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. And I was like, where is Finn? Why isn't Finn over at my house watching this episode right now? And so um, when that uh, opportunity opened up to record with the guest because the guys were busy, I was like, I know exactly who I'm going to call. And we were just going to record last night, um, the last day of January, before this most recent episode of The Bad Batch came out, which focused on Wookiees. And we were like, what are we doing? Let's record both. Um, So... For those of you who might be new to the channel or you're not sure how this works, we have five criteria that we always cover when it comes to uh, Star Wars and Star Wars episodes and reviews and things like that. And so here's how it works. You're going to have five criteria. We're going to get through them all and we're going to try to do so in a timely fashion. Um, number one, our overall thoughts. What do we think about it? What do we feel about it? This is where we spend most of our time, I would say, during the episode. Uh, and then part two of that is going to be a rating, one through ten. We both give our thoughts on the rating. Uh, number three is a standout moment from that episode. Number four, new characters that we met. And number five, what's next, specifically in this case for the Bad Batch. So, Finn, start us off with episode five, titled Entombed from the Bad Batch. Uh, give me your overall thoughts, my friend. What did you think? Was your Indiana Jones itch getting scratched or what? Oh, man. I tell you what. If adventure has a name, it's <laughs> Bad Batch. It was. It was phenomenal, man. I mean, a lot, I know that a lot of people would would probably slap on the uh, the the filler uh, mm -hmm. tag on this episode because I mean the overall story of the Bad Batch. It may seem like where does where's this going? Like, what is this right. story between like them and Crosshair and what's happening to the clones? It's, I mean, ultimately, I think it was it was all about. Um, Hunter really kind of learning how to let, to kind of let go of Omega a little bit and to get right to understand that some things you just have to let her do just because they're fun, you know, and, it, and that's a more lighthearted kind of take on, on an episode, but we see Hunter get a little bit, a little bit jealous of Fee, Wanda Sykes character. Uh, yep. Yep. Omega just thinks that, that, that Fee, you know, walks on water in this episode it's great <laughs> and you can tell that it kind of bothers hunter a little bit but he's learning to grow past that learning to understand that like omega is not his omega is yeah. a person and that she belongs to the to everyone and she and she can be her own individual human being just like yeah. all of the batch are um yeah purposely uh, I think something that we're, it's kind of weird. It's like the Bad Batch specifically this season, now that they've spent some time with Omega and they're attached to her, I think for Hunter specifically, kind of the father figure in her life, I would say, uh, we're spending a lot of time. Basically, Bad Batch season two is a prolonged goofy movie too, where Max goes to college. <laughs> if, Omega, if Omega does the X Games... <laughs> I Dude, the college X Games. I'm gonna call you. It's gonna be two in the morning. And I'm gonna go. Hey, are you awake? Are you watching the Bad Batch? <laughs> well, I mean, because my off the wall prophecy came true. They did do riot racing. I mean, right? Like, pretty close. Oh my gosh! 
but uh, yeah, I totally agree. I think that one of the themes of this whole season is going to be letting, um, letting Omega grow into her own person, trusting her, trusting her instincts as much as he's trusted literally Hunter's uh, advancement where Hunter, where, where uh, Crosshair has the marksmanship tech has the, tech savviness and the languages and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously we know Wrecker is super strong. Hunter's is his heightened senses and where everyone else in the group has trusted his gut and his instinct. Mm-hmm. He's now having to relinquish that and trust Omega's gut and Omega's instincts, which is kind of an interesting take is this is his strength and he's having to let it be somebody else's strength, specifically someone that he probably sees as a little sister, if not a daughter. Mm-hmm. And so um, we go on this crazy adventure with Wanda Sykes. Um, the whole time, and this is really kind of, we're bringing out a lot of the kid movies from when we were younger. But the whole time I was watching this, I was like, so they're on an adventure with the skunk from over the hedge. <laughs> looking for, you know, whatever this stuff is. Um, so tell me what you were thinking about. It was crazy because I'm a big Indiana Jones fan. You're a bigger Indiana Jones fan. And we're in the middle of a little bit of an Indiana Jones Renaissance with them filming the newest movie Um, as toy collectors. They're finally giving us new Indiana Jones toys, which you're the person in our star Wars group of friends. That's the biggest Indiana Jones fan. And you've actually kind of hunted down and collected and photographed some Indiana Jones stuff before. So you're finally getting to see some of that stuff again. Um, and it was crazy. I'm probably in that I know of, obviously not to toot my own horn or anything. I'm probably the biggest Hobbit fan out of our group of star Wars fans. So it was weird because you were getting your fix and they're literally like, we're going to the heart of the mountain. And I was like, the Arkenstone, you say, are we going into uh mountain? You say, is there a, is there a beast inside? Which ironically there was. Are we about to um, with a riddle or something like that? What's the- right? Like, do we need to speak friend and enter, perhaps? I mean, Britain uh have space me thrill, so it it was crazy. So um give me your I guess give me your take. Obviously, if you're listening to this and you're this far in and you're diving in, you've probably seen this episode, it's been out for a week or so. So we're just going to go full spoilers in. Everybody that watches these review episodes knows we're going to break down the episode. So uh, just give me your give me your thoughts on, like you said, some people might have seen it as a as a filler. To me, a filler is an episode that doesn't do anything for the story or for the crew. But I think we we saw um, some things from Hunter and you being a huge Jedi Fallen Order fan of Cal Kestis and the video game Jedi Fallen Order. There's also some connections there, perhaps. Um, so tell me your thoughts on on that and uh, and kind of dial that in and then kind of carry that over into your rating on this episode. All right. So I'm just jumping straight to Jedi Fallen Order because go for it. Like one of my all time favorite. It may be my all time favorite <laughs> Star Wars story ever. It is okay. an incredible story. And there is no freaking way that. That the giant mech that is in right. that comes out of the mountain in this uh, in this episode is was not built by the ancient civilization known as the Zeppo that we discovered right. in Jedi Fallen Order. I mean, just the the stylistic like notes that you see throughout the episode, like the puzzle when they first get into the mountain. I mean, the markings on the wall they look exactly like markings that you see in the Zeppo temples. 
that we in the in the tombs that we explore in that game, like the way that you have to solve the puzzle to be able to move forward, um, is is so reminiscent of that game. And then mm-hmm. uh, even when when Hunter and Omega and Fee turn that one tunnel upside down so they can walk over it instead of fall through it, those markings. I mean, I'm I could, if I looked at them closely enough, they probably would match almost exactly like um, markings that are from that game. Not to mention, the head of that mech was shaped exactly like the head of the Zepho. Uh, and we right. from that game that the Zepho were an ancient civilization of people who were Force users or people who, you know, were worshipped the Force. But they called it mm-hmm. the Life Wind. Uh, so the Force manifested itself to them in the form of wind. Um, and so... They, we know that they eventually became corrupted um, by the dark side and became a war-torn uh, civilization. And as such, they nearly wiped each other out into extinction. And that's why they fled to the unknown regions, like way out into wild space, um, away from the civilization they had built because they could see their own demise coming soon. So they may still be out there somewhere, but which is interesting too, because the mech that they awaken by removing the heart of the mountain, which ends up being some kind of uh, like uh, the key, the heart of the mountain being pressed into the mech is what shuts it down. Which normally you would think the key being inserted is what starts it, but this is kind of like. Uh, the locking mechanism being locked is this key. And uh, it's interesting that the Zepho were so self-destructive. And then this, um, not only were they self-destructive, but it, from my understanding is like their whole home world and everything was just being torn apart where the planet that the Bad Batch, Fee, Omega, all of them are on um, has been completely raised and, um, you know, your immediate thought when you see that is, oh, something Imperial has gone on here because we've been to Sereno in episode six. They're on Kashyyyk and the Empire is the one raising things to the ground, whether it's as a punishment or whether it's to strip whatever world of its of its uh, uh, minerals and things like that. And it turns out it's been that way for God knows how long, you know, predating the times of the Jedi and the High Republic and even before that, because it's this machine uh, itself that is just raising this whole, you know, this whole land. Um, so, uh, give me your rating real quick on this episode before we move into some of our standout moments, because we're kind of teetering there. There's some things we want to cover for sure. So on a scale of one to 10, uh, a one being a, uh, the D squad in Samuel's opinion <laughs> and a 10 being something like, uh, the Mortis arc or the world between worlds, something along those lines. Give me a, give me a, uh, a one to 10 here. I, I would say that my ranking would be a solid seven. I, okay. I reserve some of the higher numbers for just stuff that really just blows me out of the water, especially as it ties into the main story. This one was mm-hmm. quite as connected, but I still really enjoyed it. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go a solid seven on this one. Okay. I'll match you there. I think seven as well. Um, I'm a big, uh, I'm an Indiana Jones fan. I'm a big Hobbit fan. I'm a fan of Star Wars animation. And I love that 
uh, and you've talked about you've you've heard me talk about this before, defending some of the you know people who hate anything post Revenge of the Sith. Um, me talking about man, there's so much more now. Whether you and there's things you can. I'm not saying you have to enjoy everything. That's totally your right to not enjoy things, but there's just so much more to enjoy if you want to. And having things like uh, an all-time favorite game like Jedi Fallen Order be connected to something like the Bad Batch because there's so much going on, you know, I think that that's a really, I think that's something really cool that we didn't get a lot of in the past. I don't think people realize how hard it was to connect things in the past because everything was its own thing. You know, like I did a short recently about the Dark Trooper project and it's kind of, it's one of my favorite things at the same time, if you're playing Battlefront 2 from like 2005, the Dark Trooper functions like a human being instead of functioning like a droid, which if you dig into it, the Dark Troopers were droids. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and there's not that connectivity because the people that are writing and creating Battlefront aren't talking to the people who created Dark Forces. You know what I mean? So it's like, and then they just kept the same name, you know? So um, in a sense, uh, I love that even though there's been some bad, there's been some good, but the connectivity is something that I think is being overshadowed by, you know, the hate. Uh, So I think the connectivity of having the Zepho species, you know, it's there. They do such a good job nowadays of, connecting things if you want them to be connected but if you didn't know about it it's not going to hurt the story if you didn't know about jedi fallen order exactly yeah i mean so i'll give it a seven as well yeah you can enjoy the episode independently from having ever played that game but if you've played right game you're going to enjoy this episode a whole heck of a lot more because you know you're like they're not saying it explicitly but i some heavy nodding i know what this is yeah, yeah. Okay, so give me a couple, um, and as as few or as many as you want to jump into, a couple of standout moments uh, for you in, in this episode. Um, so uh, I'll I'll give you one right off the bat. Um, just having the uh, couple of moments that weren't a huge deal, but I was like, I'm picking up on this. Was Hunter's used to Omega mirroring him in in his actions and he's mirroring she's mirroring fee and her actions with her feet up and how she's talking and stuff like that um so little things like that what were some things that stood out to you um first off just because of how beautifully it was animated that explosion when the mech first comes out of the mountain it's yes breathtaking like that's breathtaking animation because it was so artfully done and Mm-hmm. At that point in time, it's almost the last thing you're expecting. You're expecting there to be a booby trap. Like you pull the the precious stone out and something collapses or this happens. Yeah. A giant mech just like exploding out of the mountain. That was that was unexpected for me and in the best kind of way. So I thought that was beautifully animated. And it was a really fun kind of double take moment where I was like, my goodness, what in the world just happened? <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was- what what did you so being a huge Fallen Order fan, knowing in the back of your head, the same way that I'm always looking for Thrawn or always looking for, you know, those things. You're one of those guys that's always looking for Fallen Order connections. How quickly when that mech separates itself from the landscape and starts moving around, were you like, that's a Zeppo? 
Like how quickly did it did it pop in your head? I don't know, like 0.3 seconds. I, I saw the shape <laughs> of the head and I was like, oh, 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 this. That's crazy. Because I was already thinking as soon as I saw that puzzle in the entryway, I was like, that's true. I was like, oh man, this looks very, very Zeppo. And we know that they were on multiple planets. I mean, Cal Kestis finds remnants of the Zeppo on their homeworld of Zeppo, uh, Dathomir, Kashyyyk, Bogano. I mean, you find yeah. everywhere. And so as soon as I saw that puzzle, I was like, oh, man, is this about to be like Jedi Fallen Order connection? And it just kept on and kept on. And when I saw the mech, I was like, yes, it totally <laughs> is. And in the game, do they ever, I know you kind of, they disclose the story of the Zepho, but do you ever fight against or see a machine like that? Or is this something new, but takes the shape of, I know the head shape is pretty much identical to the organic Zepho, but do you ever see or fight or hear about a mech or a machine like this? They never explicitly talk about a mech. They talk about being a war-torn society. Um, but we do see they have these kind of uh, guardians that are in these tombs that you're exploring. And they're these like huge humanoid kind of, kind of mech, like almost like, almost like if the Zeppo had their own version of the dark troopers, this would be them. But okay. Okay. What gives it away? The connection is the, the kind of energy weapon, that blue energy beam that the mech Mm -hmm. was almost identical to this, this big opening in the chest of the tomb guardians where they shot out a very similar blue energy blast like that in the attacks. So, I mean, if if this isn't connected, if this is not the Zeppo, then some storyboard was like, at Lucasfilm was like, man, this is a great idea. Weird that we haven't used this before. Have we? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, And like we said earlier, they're so good at connecting things on purpose, even if it's low key nowadays. Yeah. That's what makes me feel like it, there's definitely a connection somewhere because it's very rare. I can't really, I'm sure there's something out there, but it's very rare that something is not mentioned that has something to do with something else. And it's not very, very purposeful, you know, like in the Mandalorian, when Boba Fett's walking up to Finnick Shand and you don't know it's Boba Fett yet, but you hear the spurs and they even put in a little radio frequency static, which if you're not a hardcore fan, me being like the Boba Fett guy, right? right. I was like, Empire Strikes Back, he's in the cockpit of Slave One. Like I immediately <laughs> knew what that static was. Um, so I don't see a world where it's not on purpose. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. They know. They know exactly what they're doing. Now, let me ask you this. Okay, so new characters, there's not really anyone new because we met Fee earlier on in the season. Um, the the, char- the 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 mech itself is really the, the new thing. And then there's the creature inside that's kind of new. Um, so we can kind of move past that part because there's not really anything new as far as characters in this episode. What about the droid, Mel? Rest in peace. Yeah, well, that's fair. That's fair. That was a cool droid. Was a that was a cool droid. It was like a, it was kind of like an astromech gonk hybrid in a sense. Yeah, if you had like a barrel and you put feet on it, that's what, <laughs> it, what it was. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the droid a lot. Um, moving forward to this final portion of this breakdown, um, the what's next part. This is you know this is some of the Chiss Ascendancy specialty. Is you know 
you know, what's next and then calling these crazy crate dragon shots. Um, so let me ask you this. They leave this world. Um, they don't get the treasure. They don't keep the key, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, Fee kind of learns to put others first. She's a pirate, but she lets go of the treasure because it's going to shut down the, uh, the mech and it ends up melting down. So you lose the key, you lose the heart of the mountain, but it destroys the mech supposedly. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is just a one-off? And like I said, I don't believe it's a filler. I think it's character building for Hunter. I think it's a very, I don't think it's filler if it's fun. Like yeah. Dragon Ball Z, love it to death, but it's got some episodes where it's literally just like Frieza and Goku screaming at each other. And it's like, will it happen next time on Dragon Ball Z? You know what I mean? That didn't happen. It's a fun adventure. It's an extreme nod to Indiana Jones. Um, do you see the connection with the Zepho or this mech or, or the, or the energy weapon? Do you see any of this reappearing, not just necessarily in the bad batch, but in future star Wars stuff, not, uh, not further back in the timeline, but further forward in the timeline. And if so, where do you see that happening? Um, as far as the Zepho connections, the only way I really see that, that, that being connected and moving forward in a, a likely scenario would be in the next, uh, in, in Jedi survivor, the next game in the Jedi series. Um, since Cal, okay. All of that experience with the Zeppo. But I think the big takeaway from this episode is we got a lot of development for, we, we learned more about fee. We got more development for fee, a character, a character who is obviously going to be sticking around for a while. And we got to see some more development from, uh, Hunter and from Omega. Um, okay. And especially because we're seeing Omega become a more competent member of the team. I mean, she's over here pretty much solving all of the puzzles. Uh, everyone else is like, oh no, we're trapped in this tunnel. And Omega's like, hey, why don't I use this thing and saves them? And then, oh no, right. go through the hole. Like, I'm going to twist this around and save everybody. But I think that's the big carry forward is the development from those three characters specifically. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as the Zeppo connections, I mean, if it doesn't show back up in um, Jedi Survivor, then um, the only other time I would ever think that it might show up is maybe Ahsoka because she seems to kind of have more connections with more obscure areas of the Force Mm-hmm. So maybe Ahsoka could brush up against it, but aside from that, probably not. Okay. I agree. I think um, the energy weapon could be something interesting if the Empire were to find it, but it's so remote and the map is destroyed. The compass is destroyed to get there, so I don't really see that being a thing. Um, so I agree. Maybe it's a one-off and it's just a really fun adventure and we move on with our lives. Um, not everything has to be connected, even though I'm a big fan of all that. Yeah. Uh, so moving forward, we're moving to episode six of this season, which is titled Tribe. And uh, so the batch is on a mission. We find ourselves on a uh, a base seems to be run by some kind of um, security droids kind of thing. They seem maybe they're working f- for... A, a bigger company or something, but the whole station seems to be run by these droids. 
and the Bad Batch is delivering basically some forged technology, uh, which is really all just to get us to the other cargo that they have. So give me your thoughts on today's episode, my Wookiee friend. Gunji is alive, man. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited about this. I mean, I know a lot of people didn't like the, the arc in the Clone Wars where it was all the younglings and they were on Ilum finding their, their lightsaber crystals and then they just, the pirates attacked and it was this whole big thing. A lot of people theorized that that was kind of, that arc served as like a, a backdoor pilot because George Lucas was thinking about maybe branching off and doing a spinoff around these younglings. Mm -hmm. um, and people have theorized for a long time that they had survived Order 66 and that they would show up again. And that's kind of true because Gunji has shown back up, but right. based on the, the state that he's in in this episode, I, I don't have a feeling that the other ones are still around, you know? No, me neither. <laughs> I think he's a, this is a lone survivor situation. Uh, but yes, I'm so excited to see Gunji again. I, I just get really excited, uh, one, about Wookiees, uh, because they're amazing. Two, I love stories about Jedi who have survived Order 66. Uh, and so when you wrap both of those together in the same amazing package, uh, it's... It's a win-win. It's a win-win. It's going to be a fantastic story. So I love seeing how Gunji is... It's not like he's this carefree, you know kid anymore he's seen some stuff i mean this guy is scarred uh you can tell he's got ptsd he doesn't trust hardly anyone um he reluctantly takes the help of the bad batch to get out of the situation on the space station um and it takes him a minute to warm up to them but omega is really the one that kind of moves in there and bridges that gap because she's very good at doing that like omega mm -hmm. hasn't ever met a stranger in her life and and I think it's interesting because yeah. for those people who might have thought that episode five was a filler, if for nothing else, the trust and the maturity that we see between Hunter and his and his decision to trust uh, Omega's ability and her instincts really plays off at the very beginning of this episode because, uh, you know, she goes off and she finds Gunji and she's trying to rescue him. And he's like, okay, we're going with it. You know, we're, we're rolling with it. Let's do it. Yeah. So, um, and then finally we're back on Kashyyyk. Yeah. It took us forever. A beautiful. And I, I realized today watching another video on YouTube that Star Wars animation had never been to Kashyyyk before. Yeah, first time. This is the first time. I mean, um, when the clone, before the Clone Wars got uh, canceled, the series, um, when in the Disney purchase, Originally, uh, one of the future arcs in the Clone Wars was going to follow the Bad Batch to Kashyyyk, and they were mm -hmm. the Wookiees. So that's obviously been kind of taken and repurposed into the Bad Batch, which I love that they've they didn't just scrap it; that they've reused it. Um, but yeah, I think Kashyyyk trans uh, translates beautifully into animation, and it is just so cool to get more insight on, into how quickly Kashyyyk turned from this peaceful planet that's part of the Republic to this absolute war zone. I mean, the Trandoshans wasted no time 
partnering with the Empire to come in and hunt the Wookiees. Um, I'm sure they get their own cut, and they give part of them to the Empire to be slave labor. But, right, man, I mean, it's brutal. It's brutal, and it's heartbreaking, but seeing the resilience of the Wookiees, uh, man, that's, it gets me every time. Gets me every time. <laughs> you know, what stood out to me that was really cool was there was, uh, first of all, like you said, we got back to Kashyyyk, and there was the Bad Batch episode that was supposed to be there, uh, a couple episodes, and then another one was supposed to be the either the death, no, in Revenge of the Sith, we were supposed to see the death of Quinlan Voss on uh, Kashyyyk, but that was also canceled. And so I was very confused. I I was not confused. I was very hopeful. I had two things that didn't happen this episode. I'll tell you what they were that I was like, what if this happens? So we've seen Scorch in the Bad Batch season one training the TK Troopers. And then we also saw Gregor survive and we have to liberate Gregor in season one. Mm-hmm. Here are my thoughts. Yeah. I thought for a second, uh, Hey, what, what, what I'm going to do is when I'm, when I have a, uh, a point, what I'll do is I'll mute you. Cause I'm getting a little echo. Gotcha. All good. All good. All good. Um, so w- the two things that I, that I thought, and then I'll see if you thought either of these, so with the cancellation of the Clone Wars, um, not going back to Kashyyyk, a character that was lost on Kashyyyk in a video game a long time ago that we're starting to see these characters pop back up. I hope that they were going to run into Sev from Republic Commando and work with him. Did, did that thought cross your mind at all? Um, it actually, I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it. And then I was like, oh man, that could have been a, a perfect opportunity to incorporate, um, to incorporate even more commandos into right. into the story. My main thought was, of course, and I'm sure it's one that you thought as well, uh, was, is Quinlan Voss still on, uh, on Kashyyyk? Kashyyyk. You know? Yeah, that was my, that was my thought too. We know, that, was my, that was my other one that I was hoping was going to happen. You know, he survived. In Kenobi, we see that he's worked with the path. They talk about him in the present tense, which means he's probably still around. You know, and that's 10 years after uh, Order 66. So he, we know he's around in Bad Batch. He could have stuck around. Right. I mean, I'm just waiting. They, they keep teasing it. And I have a feeling that one of these days we're going to see the spectacular return of Quinlan Voss. The most, the, the handsomest, most sly, smug, smoothest Jedi that ever walked the face, face of the earth. I can't wait to see him. Um, there you go, bro. I knew you were going to have him there. <laughs> you know, I always gotta, gotta have my setup. Dude, I hope, um, we got a bunch of reveals today at the, the Hasbro live stream. And as much as I'm a, a bigger fan of the classic scale, I am excited for a deluxe Malgus in the black series. Um, and we still have never gotten a, I would love a black series Quinlan Voss, but we never got one. I'd love a retooled Quinlan Voss for the Vintage Collection, but maybe we'll get that if he shows up later in something. That would be phenomenal. I mean, the Vintage Collection Quinlan Voss that they have right now is really, really solid uh, of him from his Phantom Menace appearance, the the birth of Quinlan Voss. But but yeah, no, if they if he does show up again in, in relevant media, like newer media, 
I hope they jump on that and get a figure out there in the vintage collection. That'd be well. It's my favorite. Um, do you have the Clone Wars version, the three and three quarter inch Clone Wars I, Quinlan? I don't. I have one of the comic it, pack versions, and then I have that the vintage collection version. If you look up um, Jedi Temple Archives or whatever, and you look up the Clone Wars version, that's my favorite Jedi lightsaber that they've ever released for a figure because he has a really, really long handle. It's almost like a broadsword. Yeah, yeah, like, it's super cool. Like Bur Yaga from the High Republic. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, so give me a rating, 1 to 10, on a scale of D-Squad to Mortis on this episode here. Um, this, this episode hits me, hits me in all of, and it checks all the boxes, man. So, um, I'm going to give this one, I'm going to give this one a 9.3. Okay. I'll leave a little bit of a margin for, you know, absolute, like, there's perfection. There's nothing better than this possibly ever. But yeah, that, this one checks all the boxes for me. So I'm going to give it a really high score. (laughs) Okay. 9.3. I'm giving an 8.8 just because nines are like really high for me, but it did check a lot of the boxes. Um, Obviously I'm a huge fan of Wookiees. I'm a huge fan of Trandoshans. Um, I love the, uh, you know, there's some stuff in there that really stood out to me. For instance, um, the, the way the Wookiees, the way the Wookiees connect to the force um, that resides in all living things, right? Like, you know, Yoda's famous lines from the Empire Strikes Back, the Force surrounds us, binds us together. Um, and he says, the rock, the tree, this, this, this. And so getting their connection to the Force from the Rosher trees on Kashyyyk, I had never seen that or heard of that before. And I knew they had a very spiritual connection to the trees, um, but that was really, really cool. What were you thinking when you saw that? Dude, I, I love obscure, like, you know me, I love obscure, like nuances to the way people see and observe the force. That's why I love the high Republic. Cause everyone's got a different, everyone right. the way that they observe the force. But like, but yeah, I thought that was so awesome. A, a, a really awesome way to just, um, you know, further our understanding of how the Wookiees uh, connect to their own planet and how the Wookiees connect to the Force, um, which in a way kind of makes all of them a little Force sensitive. You know, if they right, I was thinking that same thing. Yeah, they can all sense and and seemingly understand um, what the forest and what the nature around them is telling them. I mean, the forest is giving us this plan for how we're going to fight back against the Empire. This tree just told us that we need to, you know, call upon spiders to eat all of them. Uh, like that's, that's awesome. Like it's so cool. Like their connection to all life on their own planet, um, is so it's sacred and it's, you know, deeply seated in the, in their lore, uh, both canon and legends. Mm -hmm. It's just really neat to see that like manifest itself on screen. And I hope that, when we see like Wookiee Jedi going forward, like we've seen with Gunji, and then of course in the High Republic with Buryaga, um, I hope that they they keep you know giving us little bits like that. Yeah, 
I think that the the Wookiees seem to be we deal mostly with humans because we are humans, so all the main characters for the most part are humans, right? But I think that it seems to me the Wookiees have a deeper spirituality to them than the average species. And maybe it's their longevity of life. Maybe it's because Kashyyyk is so interwoven with each other, with the different species even. Um, so I thought that was really cool that they were connected um, through the trees to make a plane and stuff like that. Again, a very Lord of the Rings feel to me with the Ents and things like that. Um, so yeah, it was. give me a couple of standout moments for you there. Yeah, uh, I'll just say... Kashyyyk, especially with all the spiders, is basically Mirkwood Forest. Uh, yeah, 100%. Star space Mirkwood Forest, that's it. But standout moments, uh, I, I mean, Gunji pulling his lightsaber back to him, the triumphant reveal, that was incredible. Yep. Um, literally any scene with Gunji, uh, a standout scene for me, but I do, um, I do love there at the end with... Uh, with Omega and Gunji having bonded over this whole episode. Um, they're sitting there like kneeling down, eyes closed there. They're placing their hands on the, the Rosha tree and, and almost like meditating together. Mm -hmm. And it just goes to show that Omega, everywhere they go, every person they meet, Omega opens herself up to all of the possibilities to, uh, to every ounce of culture and and understanding and empathy of every other person. I mean, even in season one, that jerk, that uh, Deveronian guy that was like yeah. damning uh, Sid, like when they were going to hurt that guy at the end, the Pikes, she was like, no, no, don't hurt him. And we're like, dude, what What do you mean don't hurt him? He's just He's just been screwing everything up this whole episode. He's the bad guy. Mm -hmm. this episode and she's like no don't hurt him like she understands that at every base level like you are a sentient being and mm -hmm. you deserve you deserve respect and care because of that and nothing nothing more nothing less and I think that's really neat to see where Omega's story is going and this moment with Gunji just helps to push that forward and, and Mm -hmm. our, in our understanding of who is Omega and what is it that she brings to the team of the bad. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I was thinking that same thing. Whenever I saw her and Gunji both touching the tree, I was thinking to myself like, okay, we know everybody else has some kind of a special ability and Omega is an unaltered clone, but is, is this season or is this show going to ultimately like, in my opinion, I think the Bad Batch is fantastic. I love every character. I love every part of the team. I There's things I like about all of them. There's really not a character on the group that I don't like. Um, but it seems like it's trending toward it being Omega's show and everybody else is just living in that world. And I'm wondering if this is part of her journey. And, like, I don't know. It Star Wars is so different from, like, reality in a sense that if a clone is unaltered, but it's also a female, like who's to say that she's not somewhat, I don't, I don't think she's force sensitive, but like, did you get a, like to me, maybe she's just trying to identify with Gunji before they, you know, part ways or whatever. But 
I don't know. I didn't know if it was like the most subtle nod to her feeling something from the trees as well. And is that because Kashyyyk is so hyper spiritual or do you think that there's a chance she has some kind of stronger connection to the force that we just don't know yet because it hasn't been developed because the clones don't, you know, they don't have a way to, to sense that. Obviously we're known for, you know, some wild out there thoughts and concepts and things like that. So do you think I'm way off base or do you think there's a snowball's chance in hell that Omega could be force sensitive? Is that her gifting or whatever, for lack of a better term? Um, I think that if any clone was going to have a shot at being force sensitive, it would be Omega because simply because of how open she is to the possibility of anything. Mm -hmm. Here sometimes about how sometimes people's force ability it, it, it depends on how open they are to the possibility of the Force. Like, because you can close yourself off from the Force, and you can open yourself back up to the Force. And uh, Omega is about as open of a person as anyone, especially for a clone. So if, if right. anyone, if any clone was going to be in any way, shape, or form Force-sensitive, it would be Omega. I would be super shocked, but at the same time, I would welcome it like i think she's ultimately i i feel like she's got some grander bigger role to play in the galaxy and maybe i'm wrong maybe it's just like this is their family and then they're gonna ride off into the sunset uh because uh we both had a couple of standout moments and the one that i'll end with and then we'll move on to the new characters portion uh but the one that stood out to me of standout moments was that end where the elder Wookiee and Hunter are talking and they're actually watching. We just talked about Gunji and Omega kind of meditating at the tree yeah. and the, the Wook, the elder Wookiee and Hunter are watching this and Hunter literally verbalizes out loud, man, these kids don't get to be kids in this galaxy. And hopefully we'll get to take someday. We'll take them somewhere or the world will be a world where there's not, where they're free of war. And they can just grow at their own pace and kind of, you know, things like that. So um, that really stood out to me because it kind of seemed like foreshadowing, like ultimately the batch wants to help, but how much can these four or five people help the whole galaxy when it's just in such a state of turmoil and chaos, you know, we're essentially, my understanding is we're pretty much right after revenge of the Sith. So we're 20 years out from the victory over the death star at the battle of Yavin, you know, in the life of a clone, that's a long freaking time, especially with the accelerated aging yeah. and in a life of a young, a young lady like Omega, who's how old is she? Like freaking 11, 12, 15. Like, I don't know. At this point, I think she's 13, but yeah, she doesn't so, have the accelerated growth. So she, right. Normally, but yeah, I think she's like 13. So even if she's okay, so like let's say there were unaltered clones made and she's the last one, so let's assume that she's like just before the Battle of Geonosis, something along those lines. Um or I guess she'd have to be older than that. It would probably be a little bit before the Phantom Menace. Or just after Or just, or right about this or maybe the same time. So then you're looking at ten years plus three years between two and three. So yeah, she's like 13 or 14. So by the Battle of Yavin, even unaged, unaccelerated, she's 33, 34, 35, somewhere in that ballpark. Full on adult. 
So I don't know. It's just interesting to see, like, ultimately, is this show just going to serve itself, which is totally fine. But like we've said so many times in this episode, they do so much connectivity. I wonder where it could possibly go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, so, I, I, um, I know a lot of people were theorizing, all right, Book of Boba Fett, who's going to show up? Is, is Omega going to show up? And then, but that would have kind of cut, cut the Bad Batch out at the knees, you know, because then you're, there's no threat anymore because we're right. going to make it. Um, yeah, because like if, I don't know that the Bad Batch has, obviously we're like, halfway or a third of the way through the season. I think there's gonna be twelve episodes or something like 16. that. Um sixteen. So we're 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 just a little bit over a third of the way in. Right. And I don't think that there's been any we don't know where the story's going, but ultimately I think they're either gonna all die or right off into the sunset by the end of the season just based on the names of the episodes where it's like, you know, operation 99 or whatever and they're clone force 99 where it's like okay is this it is this the dirty dozen you know like yeah so maybe if there is a book of boba season two omega could show up in that if the bad batch ends after two seasons you know like i don't know they've they've done a decent job of knowing when it's time to end a show you know like we they could have made clone wars for forever and we would have watched it but it felt really good after season seven to like let it rest so I wonder if after the second season of The Bad Batch, if they're going to, you know, there's no way of knowing, but I'm interested to see if season one will or season two will end and it be like a satisfactory, like, OK, cool. This feels like closure. Right. See, I, I don't know. I wonder I wonder if they're going to stick to like a two season thing, kind of like what they did with Resistance. They've done a lot of shows right. that have shorter stories, like Resistance right. is only two seasons Kenobi, as far as we know it, is one. Book of Boba Fett may only be one. Hopefully it's two. Um, but I saw a, a poster. It was like a, either Spain or Mexico or something where it talked about season two coming soon. Yeah. So that leads me to believe that there's a chance. Hopefully it's out there. Andor's only two seasons. Um, it was originally five, but they've shortened it to two. Cause, but, uh, I mean, for reasons. But... But yeah, right. I mean, I I think that I think that Bad Batch has has a shot at going longer, like maybe be. I, I think so too, a, especially the style of story that it is, yeah. where it's kind of independent. Like four seasons seems like a a solid number. That's like what. Yeah, I, I could see Bad Batch going on for four seasons. And honestly, my personal opinion, as a Bad Batch fan and as a Boba Fett fan. I can live without Omega and Boba Fett meeting right away if it means that cuz I want to I want a Boba Fett season 2 to focus on Boba Fett more. Yeah. Ironically, I felt like we didn't get enough Boba Fett in his own season. Right, yeah. In his own in his own uh show, you know. Yeah, we got The first two episodes were very heavy on his character development and then we kind of departed from that and I still loved the show, yeah. but I would love a little bit of a darker show, a little bit of a um, I I would love for the Book of Boba season two to feel more like what we got in episode five of of the Book of Boba, where the Mandalorian was doing things by himself. Yeah. Um, and maybe if my prediction of Finnick being the one that killed the Tuscans is true, 
and Boba has to kill her in return, maybe he'll be on his own more and we'll see more of that. But we're not turning this into a freaking book of Boba Fett episode, but um, it's hard not to. It's hard not to. <laughs> we'll do it live. Um, okay. So uh, a couple of things we got to cover new characters in this episode, which there's a plethora. Yeah. Um, and then also what's next, because this does set up kind of an, an, an open ended, you know, where's the batch going to go from here sort of thing. So new characters, obviously you have Gunji and then you have a bunch of Wookiees. Do you have any clue what those creatures were that the Wookiees were riding? Because those were freaking cool. Oh, you mean like the weird tiger lemur things? Right. I've never seen them before in my life. I think they're a, a brand new creation that they've just kind of come up with. I wouldn't be surprised if the StarWars.com databank just drops them in the next week. Like, well, I was I had turned on um I had turned on the um what do you call it? The yeah. subtitles. Oh yeah. Because I always want to see, that's how we figured out for sure they were Dark Troopers because it said Dark Trooper Whirring in Mando. Yeah. Um, and it just said Creature. Huh. Yeah. I um, this film will will give it a little bit of time and then they'll drop a databank thing and be like, by the way, these creatures are called this. Dude, I liked them a lot, dude. That was cool. Yeah, I like the idea of Wookiees having freaking jungle steeds. Yeah, it was it was like a like you said it was kind of like a a tiger with like giant bat ears. Yeah, <laughs> which makes sense because like obviously in a jungle like to hunt or to not be hunted like in that dense freaking Jedi Fallen Order really opens up your eyes to how freaking scary and like Australia three point oh yeah is dude. Holy crap, and dude. When I first saw the spider webs, I was like, oh my gosh, those Y-Shock, like the giant Y-Shock spiders are about to show up. And those... Bro, for real. ...me out, man. They're so amazingly designed and they're so realistic that they terrify me, man, because I don't do spiders. <laughs> and these things are... Me neither, bro. And so whenever I saw the spider webs in this episode, I was like, oh no. I'm bracing for it. Oh, here they come. <laughs> and they were weird other spiders that were still super terrifying because they have the yeah. weird, like a claw appendage that they can just. Yeah, dude. But, but yeah. And then you also had, so the Trandoshans were back. That was super cool. Oh. I obviously love the rivalry between the Wookiees and the Trandoshans. Yeah. And then you had uh, Commander Venomore. Am, am I alone in this? Or did you feel like he looked kind of weird compared to the other Trandoshans? Like his face was almost a little bit different uh, shape, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Like the other Trandoshans looked like Bosk and he looks like he was from the land before time. Like he looked like a <laughs> He looked, yeah, he looked like uh, more bird-like than yeah. lizard-like. His snout was kind of like his head was, curved in a was sense. more rounded back here. And Less square, right? He was more rounded and he was a little pointier up at the front instead of Mm -hmm. Instead of having kind of a snub nose and spikes like on his head, he didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A round, flat head. Yeah, he was a he was a conniving son of a gun, and it was crazy because uh, whenever him and Gunji face off one on one, your instinct is like, "Oh, cool! Finally, a showdown between a Wookiee and a Trandoshan," and it's cool because it's like 
Gunji lets the forest fight for him. And that's when those spiders come back. Yeah. And dude, that was, I would, I'd sooner be cut down by a lightsaber than have those spiders wrap you up and take you up into God knows freaking where, oh, you know what I mean? Just shoot me, shoot me right up, shoot me right in the face. That was some straight up, that was some straight up out outskirts of Las Vegas type stuff where it's like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I was like, whenever that happened, I was like, nope. nope. I was like, this guy's going to end up on CSI. Nope. That's what's happening. Nope. No, thank Close you. That one. Close that case. I would rather you just shoot me. Nope. So Commander Venomore, uh, and he was supposed to be in that original Bad Batch arc that was going to be uh, in the Clone Wars as well. So it was cool to bring him back. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you had a couple of clone troopers there, but very, very minimal. And, um, and then I guess Gunji and the other Wookiees are going to have to retreat further into the Rocher forest, which it's so sad because it's a, it's a victory, but because of how much we know down the road, it's going to be really short lived compared to what we know of what's happening to Kashyyyk long term. They may end up joining, uh, Tarful in the, uh, the Shadowlands of yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw in Jedi Fallen Order. Um, also, just side note, uh, I'm a sucker for salvaged uh, equipment, like Clone Wars era equipment showing up in... Yep, the droid tanks. So the droid AATs that have been uh, repurposed by the Trandoshans, and they put flamethrowers on the front of them. Heck I yeah, dude. that was awesome. Give me that. Give me that in the vintage collection yesterday. I will. Right now. Right now. Make it now. Now. Dude, they've been making these army builder packs. Like they just showed. Was it the 212th today? Yeah. Um, I was sad that we didn't get... Uh, is it Waxer or Boyle from the Clone Wars style that has the cool Freddie Mercury handlebar mustache? Yeah, we got Waxer today, but we... Uh, I was so pissed. I was like, come on, bro. You were one step away from a handlebar. Oh, yeah. But yeah, these packs. This is the one from the Shore Troopers, but yep. I love them, dude. Total win. I was. I would love to get a Wookiee or a Trandoshan. A Trandoshan would be sick. Oh yeah, because we have we do have a good handful of Wookies already. I have a um, that they're gonna make black for Santon this year in the vintage collection. Like I just know it's gonna happen, and he'll be a deluxe figure. So we'll finally have a new, super articulated, brand new tooling Wookiee. Oh, and then, and then put put a pack together, dude, and we'll buy it. I mean, I, I, dude, it's a, it's a brilliant idea because a Wookiee can be pretty generic. Yeah. Um, and then Chewbacca in the grand scheme of things is kind of on the slider build side for a Wookiee. Like he's so massive when we see him, but then when you see episode three, they're all much broader than him. Yeah. Kersantan's big for a Wookiee, but he's probably more average than Chewbacca is small. Yeah. And so you could do dark brown chest, you know, chestnut colored light brown you could do like a light tan you could do a whole variety oh you yeah know? they um, in the gaming greats line for the vintage collection heck yeah put them on a jet i'm game for that dude and you could yeah with the with the with the army builder packs you could do a bunch of accessories different guns and weapons and spears oh, and bullcrap like that long rifle that tarful had that thing is cool we saw yeah dude it's dude, massive some of the wookies were using that long rifle yep yep Okay, so wrap us up, Finn. What do you see happening next for the Bad Batch? Do you think, obviously, in the trailer, like we've heard from, we've we, we've seen Rex. I've got a mission for you guys. Um, but we've seen most of the stuff that's been in the trailers and stuff we've seen already. So yeah. 
the last two thirds of this of this season is pretty wide open. Where do you think it's going? And also, if you just got to write the script, what does Finn want to see in the remainder of the season? Uh, Finn, and you can't forget Crosshairs out there somewhere. Finn wants to see the rest of the season happen on Kashyyyk. <laughs> no, but um, but for real, I um, the way I see it, there's only so much longer that they can kind of tread water at Sid's bar and keep doing all these weird side missions. Like, right? Said, every single episode. I mean, Echo, God bless him. This guy, his if you can count on one line that he says every single episode, we should be doing more. Like, <laughs> every <laughs> Is the war chest good for us to take? It depends on what we're using it for. You're like, we could be doing more. I mean, just someone just let Echo join the rebellion already. Like, he wants to so bad. I mean, it was really cool for him to be the. Usually, he's the voice that's like, "This is a waste of our time." This episode was the opposite, which was a really refreshing feel. Where he was like, "The Wookies have been our allies for years. We should do something." Yeah. That was a really that was really cool because. Like you said, he's usually not game because he wants to be out there getting, you know, fighting against the Empire. Yeah. And this fell into that category, which was a cool. I'm glad that they did little things like that add a lot because oh, yeah. it is repetitive how much he wants to be not wherever they are. Yeah. So I think that um, kind of like in the riot racing episode, they alluded to the fact that maybe Sid would maybe kind of stab the batch in the back. Um, right. I think something's going to go down. The empire is going to start getting wise. Crosshair is going to find like through the empire is going to find the batch on Ord Mantell. They're going to put pressure on Sid. Sid's going to cave, give up the batch, you know, morally conflicted moment for them. She may help them escape after she sells them out or it, Sid's story could just kind of wrap up at kind of like DJ and the last Jedi. Well, mm-hmm. sorry, business yeah, exactly. But like, I think that, that that is going to be the step that pushes them into this fight. And they realize, all right, you know what Rex is doing here? Like, we need to get into that. Like, we need to be a part of that. Rex told us on Bracca that if we're ever interested in getting back in this fight, that we know where to find him. And now we don't really have a choice. You know? Right. And I think that's the moment whenever Echo is going to kind of step up. Because it's weird to me to see how... Like in season one of the Bad Batch, whenever Hunter gets captured, none of the other Batch members, like Tech and Wrecker, they're not the ones that stepped up to kind of be the leader. And uh, it was it was Echo. He stepped up right. as the de facto leader, even though he's, Who's an arc he's trooper. a reg. You know, he's right. not even a genetically like altered clone. He's a right, and they they deferred to his leadership. And so I think that. Echo is going to start kind of stepping up more and more and more until even Hunter is, is like, you know, you're right. Like you've been right this whole time, but we were just, we were just scared. You know, we we tried to to find another way out of this, but we realized that the state of the galaxy being how it is, there's just not, you know, we, right. We're going to have to get into this fight. If we have, if we want any chance of a better future for Omega and, Ultimately, I think that there this may culminate in a big, um, a big clone rebellion against yeah. the Empire, uh, maybe with the Bad Batch and with Rex, 
at, at the helm, and maybe Cody joins Rex, and the, they lead this. But I don't think it's going to go well because no. it's going to happen to make Rex exile himself on that that planet just with Wolf and Gregor, and they're just kind of hermits. I, I think right. I think they're going to take the fight to the Empire, and they're going to get their butt handed to them. And yeah, looking at a couple of the upcoming episodes, the very next one is called The Clone Conspiracy. Ah, and then and it looks like so I'm on I'm on a uh, Wikipedia right now. Um, February eighth, next Wednesday, we get two episodes back to back. Oh, because it's the we get mid season. It's the mid season. Yeah. So seven and eight, the clone conspiracy and truth and consequences. Huh. So that's going to have a lot to do with why the clones are leaving. People are, you know, that's going to have. That's going to have uh, Rex in it, I'm assuming. Probably maybe the next time we see Crosshair. My guess is if we're going to see Cody or Wolf, we'll see them in this next episode. Yeah. Um, and it could be that what if the batch goes its own way and then Cody, Wolf, Gregor, and Rex were all together and Cody gets killed. Yeah. And that's why it's just Rex, Gregor. Cody's not making it out. They've got to have... I don't think so either, sadly. They have to have a big emotional blow, and we know it's not going to be Cody, and we know it's not going to be, you know, Gregor. I mean, we know it's not going to be Rex, and we know it's not going to be uh, Wolf or Gregor. And uh, so I think Cody is the natural choice, because what, what else could right. beat Rex down so badly that he walks away from the fight? Finally right. getting Cody back and then losing him. And, and then losing and, him. And what if he? What if Cody dies because of maybe maybe it was Rex's fault. Maybe Rex yeah sent him in to do something, and then Cody dies. You know, if if there are only two seasons of the Batch, because looking back on this list of episodes, uh, again March 29th, we're getting back to back or same episode, two episodes in the same day. The Summit and Plane 99. The Summit is clearly pointing to Mount Tantus. Dude, I wonder if if it is only two seasons, if it's like Crosshair finally does bring the batch in or whatever, and his reward is you're the first Death Trooper. And it's just, you know what I mean? Because Rampart doesn't give a crap. Rampart wants to advance. He wants to be seen in the eyes of Tarkin as an asset. And you've already gotten a taste of as soon as Cody leaves, he's CT2224 or whatever his number is. You know what I mean? He's like leader of, you know, arguably the greatest battalion of clones who gives a crap. Yeah. He's CT two, 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 four, you know? So you brought the batch. Okay, good. You're already supposed to do that. Uh, we also have this thing over here. If you want to play operation and we're going to, you know, that's gotta be crosshair. I don't, I think it would do the character more justice if he never comes back and it ends up poorly for him. Yes. That's the stronger character arc. I mean, we do we do the redemption arc a lot in Star Wars, and it works a lot of the time. And right. Great. And I'm not ragging on the redemption arc, because I, I myself love it. Um, but every once in a while, I do I do kind of want a character that I'm like, I, I, I want this character to understand that they probably made a bad decision, but I want them to stick it out. Want, there I needs want, to be some, yeah, long-term consequences. I want to be stubborn enough to stay, even if they realize later on that it's wrong. I right. want them. I want. Right. I want Crosshair to not come back because I think what could 
what in the world could possibly challenge the batch more than knowing that they really did lose Crosshair. Right. He's gone. He's gone. And he and if he is the first death trooper, he's not just gone from the group. He's like gone, gone, like, you know, completely altered, you know. Yeah. Could be or or the first dark trooper. Oh, yeah. You know, oh. like because because phase again, they do such a great job in Filoni. If he's involved, you know that it's no holds barred on Legends material. Yeah. The phase zero dark trooper was all of their organs and all this kind of stuff were removed and they were just encased in this armor. That was the phase zero dark trooper where obviously all the way in the Mandalorian, however many years later, 25 years later or whatever it is, you know, close to 30 years later down the road, we've evolved to, okay, we just need these huge droids that need to be powered by a whole freaking star destroyer to work. You know what I mean? Like maybe phase zero is crosshair and Mandalorian is those dark troopers are the final product. You know what I mean? I hope we see more of them. I hope we're not done with them. Yeah, me too. Gosh, what if, what if crosshair was, was that dark trooper that was beaten the snot of Din Djarin and that was all that was left of crosshair. Oh my gosh. Crosshair die on screen. And we just didn't know it. We didn't even know it. All right. That's my wild theory. Okay. I like it. The Chiss Ascendancy, Star Wars Thoughts from Wild Space. You've joined the chat. Irresponsibly. Let's go. Absolutely. That's the that's the funnest part of the game. Well, there you go, guys. That's a breakdown and kind of a, a unpacking of the last of uh, the latest two episodes of the Bad Batch, uh, episode five Entombed and episode six Tribe. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, uh, if you're listening on uh, Spotify. Give us uh, a rating, if you would. Help us get uh, put out there. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you'll leave us a five-star rating and leave a written review, we will read that on air. That would be amazing. I would appreciate that. And again, it gets more exposure for the channel. If you're watching on YouTube, please like this video, subscribe to the channel, all that good stuff. Finn, dude, thank you again so, so much. Uh, Whatever's in front of you, do you have any customs or anything you want to show us, stuff you're working on, any projects right now? Oh, goodness. I actually don't have any customs in front of me, but I just want to hold this figure up one more time because it's the greatest thing ever. Cal Kestis and BD-1. The new Super cool. Figure. For those yeah. of you who are just listening, Finn finally got his wish and has the vintage collection Cal Kestis in hand. Someday in the future, I'll be holding up a Thrawn with you, my friend. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Shirts... That would be fantastic. They make Thrawn and Vintage Collection. The shirt's getting ripped. There we go. Oh, dude. Yeah, shirt's coming off. Shirt's coming off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for jumping on, dude. I mean, we had technical difficulties. We had Echo stuff going on, but it was a blast. Thank you so much for coming back on, and and we'll do it sooner than later next time, okay? Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. I, I loved it. You bet. Well, thank you guys for tuning in once again. Remember, the Force will be with you always. We'll leave Samuel's tag out because he's not here with us. We'll see you guys next time on the Chiss Ascendancy.